0: Scofflaws is a show about the history of crime, criminals, and the investigation thereof. There may be discussion of adult themes and generally icky stuff. Also, neither host is a legal professional, and this show does not contain any legal advice. Remember, crime doesn't pay.
1: Unless you're really good. Hello and welcome to the scofflaws, a history of law and disorder. My name is Sean, and joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host Kate. Say hi, Kate.
0: Hello! Happy New Year, everyone.
1: Yeah, Happy New Year. We uh, we took Christmas off, and we're back in 2019. Yeah, we are. We survived the year of five years.
0: Oh my God! It was so long.
1: I know. I know it was so long. People talk about movies that came out in the first half of the year. I'm like, no, it, no, no, that can't be right.
0: Right? Black Black Panther Panther did
1: come out this year.
0: Like, ah. Oh, anyway.
1: That's how I feel about that. So did uh, did you get anything worthwhile for Christmas?
0: Yes, you're looking at it.
1: Oh my! it is a a corgi pillow it is about about in the shape of an oblong steam bun
0: and it is the
1: size of his dog <laughs> yep it's about the size of my thirteen pound dog so oh goodness
0: yeah that's that's really a, it
1: I have a story oh
0: i'm I'm ready for it.
1: All right, so I seem to have gotten into this present arm race with my brother-in-law. Um, last year, I wrapped his uh, present in zip ties in a crisscross pattern. You are... This year... No. <laughs> the year before, he wrapped it entirely in duct tape. I had to escalate. <sighs> but this year, he comes out with the present... And the bow is made out of those big, heavy-duty zip ties. Mm Mm-hmm. Then I open it, and inside of it is a box wrapped in packing tape. Inside of that is a humidor box with a Chinese puzzle lock on it. Oh, shit. And then, and then while I'm puzzling over that he brings out another present that's in a cooler filled with dry ice. Oh. So I get through the three layers of wrapping paper and packing tape on that one, and I get down to a Tupperware that has a book frozen into a block of ice. That's just mean to the book. (laughs) Wait, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. So I had to, he, he had it all in a plastic bag. Okay. Um, so I have to go upstairs and I grab a flathead screwdriver and a ball-peen hammer. And I start chiseling away at it like I'm Indiana fucking Jones.
0: Okay, I get that reference. <laughs> and, I,
1: and eventually I get the book out after, after everyone else has finished opening their presents. I'm still working on the one present I got for that Christmas. Um... I get it out, I open up the bag, and the book is a one of those, like, hidden container books.
0: Oh, God. Okay.
1: And inside of that is an actual, like, little Chinese puzzle box. Okay. So I have the Chinese tumbler lock and a Chinese puzzle box. Uh-huh. I have to figure out the puzzle box to get the combination for the lock. Once I got the lock off the box, I opened three more presents. That's a wallet and three hot sauces.
0: Sounds like an escape room.
1: I don't know what next year's going to bring, but I think I might have to make use of the 3D printer at the library.
0: I think so, too. Uh,
1: all right. Okay. So, so I'll use that as a segue. So who else uses libraries? People without houses looking to find work. Really, libraries are important.
0: Libraries are super important. Like, everyone uses libraries. I use libraries all the time. Um, I I think they're important. I also... I'm trying to wean myself off of buying DVDs when I can just go rent them from the library. And, they, like, you can rent video games and you can rent, uh, like, pots and pans at some libraries and consoles. And it's not just for books anymore. <laughs>
1: libraries they're not just for books anymore
0: for real though that's a tagline at a lot of them
1: <laughs> well no i i do know that people without the affordability of the internet or housing do go there to use the internet to look for jobs which brings us to today's topic of
0: oh hey of... i didn't i honestly did not realize that that was a segue um we are talking about vagrancy
1: Yay! Vagrancy, that's not a sentence I should say.
0: No, no, vagrancy is not a yay at all. So, is just a fair warning, this is gonna get really, this is gonna get about as political as we will ever get. Just fair warning. It's, this uh, is an inherently political topic.
1: Yep, and I promise I will only make three hobo bindle jokes.
0: Oh god.
1: So let's pack up our hobo bindle and talk about vagrancy. Oh, fuck.
0: Okay, so vagrancy, uh, as defined by the U.S. legal code, is um, the offense of persons who are without visible means of support or domicile while able to work. So basically, homeless people who are able to work but don't have a job.
1: Seems kind of weird that that would be illegal.
0: Yes, but it has a really big storied history.
1: All right, so let's... Yep, let's hear it.
0: So, uh, vagrancy was... It was a law that was sort of around in um, Europe throughout the Middle Ages, but it didn't really become codified, hardcore, until 16th century England where in the 1560s several parish laws were passed uh, where people that basically outlawed vagrancy and uh, people who were considered vagrants were also considered wards of this parish and Mm. were given tokens to beg for food and things like that.
1: Go home, you're drunk. I don't have a home. Aha, gotcha.
0: (laughs) basically so um the anti vagrancy laws that came about uh were and this is agreed upon by many historians the anti vagrancy laws are a way to promote a class system and to oppress the poor this is i understand this sounds inherently marxist however historians agree that was the motivation it was often written as the motivation For these laws. Because uh, early modern England had a very stratified social
1: hierarchy. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, considering it's it's one of those laws where the person who's breaking it isn't really hurting anyone in particular.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. So, basically, in the early modern form, it was punished by work. Like, you were forced to work for a certain amount of time. And this carried over into the United States as um, as it was colonized. And so as we get into the United States, the law changes. And it becomes the way that we kind of view it today as a racist law. So... A law that or the actual codification of the vagrancy Act of eighteen sixty six in Virginia states uh that on January fifteenth eighteen sixty six forced into employment for a term of up to three months any person who appeared to be unemployed or homeless, and if that person ran away, they were forced to work without compensation while wearing a ball and chain
1: ah <laughs> uh. The the classic cartoon trope of ball and chain. There's there are
0: it, it, it's a legit thing, um, but if you look at the timing of that 1866, that's the year after the Civil War, so that the law was hardened and put into place specifically this way to catch. Uh former slaves, slaves that had been freed, who were looking for work and didn't have a place to live this yeah, law
1: freedom from freedom from sa- slavery didn't come with a free house
0: no, it didn't, and it didn't come with a job either, so these people were often forced back into a form of slavery, and crime rates skyrocketed and actually, this law is part of the reason of the militarization of the South um if you look at the reconstruction era union troops were placed well it was all the same country at this point but northern troops were placed in the south to enforce the laws of um uh, making sure that people of color were being treated equally at least had a job uh you saw a lot of people of color uh or men of color elected into Congress in southern states, but because of the recession of 1870-ish, uh, a lot of those resources had to be pulled out, and that's when the Jim Crow laws started.
1: And remind me again what the Jim, I mean, I, I, I've heard it a thousand times, but remind <laughs> me and by proxy our listeners what the Jim Crow laws are.
0: So Jim Crow laws are a set of laws that came about after the Reconstruction, so between 1890 and 1950-ish, give or take, that's the generalization historians used. They're laws that promote discrimination based on your race. So think of separate drinking fountains, segregated schools. Uh, If you look at the Dred Scott case, it kind of perpetuated the Jim Crow laws where it was Separate is equal, and that wasn't brought down until Brown versus Board of Education uh, in the 1950s. It's, I think it was 55. So
1: it was while it, my dad was in school.
0: Yeah, it's legit. Like it's it, segregation existed in the United States until the 70s, and it's, there are still cities who are segregated in a way that it's kind of systemically they're segregated, It's not like a law. But that's a whole different story. Milwaukee is considered the most segregated city in the country. Oh,
1: huh, like, I didn't know that.
0: Yep. Um if you but if you look at Jim Crow laws, it also hindered voting and uh it's a, why a lot of lynching took place. Uh, there were hundreds of thousands of lynchings that took place between 1890 and 19 19- so 1960, 1970, the highest year being, I think, the 1920s. That's the highest decade. Jesus. Uh, to give you guys context, the reason that I can spend all that off, I was a dramaturg for a racially charged play called uh, Blues for Mr. Charlie, and it was a, loosely based on the murder of Emmett Till, so I've done a lot of research on that topic. And that's actually, vagrancy was part of that in the united states it has a very racial history
1: oh yeah no it's it, it is definitely one of those laws that's there for kicking them while they're down whether that's the peasant class or the people that were up until what a year ago slaves with no right or say
0: yeah a year ago is in 1860s Jeez, um, it's,
1: it's so trash
0: it is trash, and uh, while a lot of states have repealed these laws, a lot of states still have vagrancy laws. As we've mentioned in our fun laws for the end of the day, or the end of the episode, those they still exist. So here, basically, the Oxford um, American—it's like the Oxford American History, or it's the Oxford Research Encyclopedia for American History. I'm sorry, we got I watched that. <laughs> uh, we got there uh, basically uh they drop d- the
1: banner mission accomplished
0: <laughs> vagrancy laws took a myriad of forms making generally making it a crime to be poor idle dissolute immoral drunk lewd or suspicious so vagrancy laws started becoming just as catch-all and when you look at some of the narratives from the time, and they were all over the country and all over the world. But if you look at some of the narratives um, in like New York City or in the South, it was really the police officer's discretion um, as to who they wanted to do arrest. And it was often the excuse to arrest minority, car- minority figures. Um, vagrancy was used to arrest Martin Luther King uh, to arrest Rosa Parks. She was um, arrested for vagrancy. Uh, Two people
1: that we know had houses.
0: Exactly. So it's not, uh, the the way the vagrancy law stands now is not how it used to be. Also, it was encouraged uh, in the early 20th century that if you're walking around and to avoid a charge of vagrancy, uh, carrying money in your pocket, carrying proof of employment, uh, so they couldn't actually charge you for vagrancy for people who were l g b t at that time, because yes, we have always existed. queer folk have always existed. that's I will fight that to the death uh so when, right so when uh l g b t people were having meetings and Everything to not be arrested for vagrancy, they were suggested to wear at least three items of clothing matching their assigned gender. This is in a time where a lot of women who were lesbian would dress as men. They weren't trans because trans people did exist back then, uh, but they were they felt that it it fit what they saw their relationship being. Also, fun fact, the term lesbian didn't come around until the 1920s.
1: Didn't know that. Now, all the image I have stuck in my head now is that that image of, like, the empty abandoned park and the cops show up and all these guys run out of the bushes. But it's village people costumes everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Construction workers ways? as far as the eye can see. <laughs>
0: So um, other ways that you could get arrested for vagrancy, and people did. Uh, If you remember swimsuit laws, the episode we did on swimsuit laws, that was actually when you got arrested for wearing an inappropriate swimsuit, you were arrested for vagrancy and inappropriate clothing. Um, If you were loitering, if you're walking down the street in a weird neighborhood, if you look like you don't belong.
1: In a weird neighborhood.
0: In a weird neighborhood.
1: I'm sorry, sir. you don't match the Pantone color chart for this town?
0: Yeah. Basically. Well, so, in a more racially charged way, if you're a black person in a predominantly white neighborhood, you bet your ass you're going to get stopped for vagrancy. It's still, that's still a reality today.
1: Yeah, no, I can make that joke, well, I can't really make that joke as a white guy sitting in his own basement, but... It's terrible. It sucks.
0: And yes, yes it is. It's terrible. It sucks. So, people who have been arrested for vagrancy, uh there were two people in particular that were completely different and they were actually not people of color. So, the first person, he I, his name escapes me because I did not write it down, but he was a Eastern European immigrant who had communist leanings, who in 1949 in California stood, was like giving a soapbox speech on a park bench, which you think would be okay because freedom of speech is the United States. He was arrested for vagrancy because of the subject matter that he was talking about. This is also during the Cold War.
1: Yep. Where communism was the naughtiest word.
0: Exactly. Um, And then, 20 years later, uh, a woman whose last name was Papa Cristo, she was arrested in Jacksonville for vagrancy, get this, because she was walking with black men. Uh, She and her friend were walking with black men.
1: uh, Papa Cristo.
0: Papa Cristo. So the Time Magazine article that this comes from says that there were 20 different types of vagrants, including in Jacksonville. Under that ordinance, including rogues and vagabonds, or dissolute persons who go about begging, persons who use juggling or unlawful games or plays, common drunkards, (laughs) common railers and brawlers, persons wandering or strolling around from place to place without any lawful purpose or object, habitual loafers and disorderly persons. Fun fact, they just described a renaissance fair.
1: They did. First they let in the wanderers, then the loafers. Then the jugglers came and with them the ruffians and the vagabonds.
0: Apparently juggling is illegal. <laughs> Fucking juggling is illegal in Jacksonville. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> uh.
0: So basically, it must be so um, hard to um, busk. It you said it's be so hard to busk? Yeah. Yeah, it well it would be. That's why they have ordan or like you have to get like a pass to busk in most cities. Because it's considered vagrancy if you don't.
1: There's a guy in my neighborhood uh, who uh, goes to the local strip mall and plays his... Uh, it's some brass instrument. Um, I'm forgetting which one it is.
0: Okay. Um,
1: God. I, holy shit, why am I I forgetting this one? I think it's like a... Not a saxophone. Holy shit. Trumpet. It's a trumpet. Why am I forgetting trumpet? <laughs> um, but Trey got him to play Despacito when we were doing Christmas shopping. Oh, he was outside God. of GameStop.
0: <sighs> huh. No, that's all of that I have on vagrancy today.
1: Right on. Well, that's about fair, because we're both sick, because it is winter, the time of traditionally getting sick.
0: And also, I work around thousands of people a day, and that's not an exaggeration. I work at a very popular uh, institution in Chicago.
1: And I was hanging out with my nephews the other day, so of course I'm sick.
0: Oh yeah, I honestly think I got sick from hanging out with my cousin's son who's a year and a half old and who is sick who has a cold
1: Yep yeah. nope. uh... well, The other day we had a little family gathering of Trey's uh, mom and brother and sister-in-law and uh, guess who got to sit in the living room as the kids were indecisively trying to pick what game of mine they wanted to play <laughs> But, oh good. Okay. So real real quick, I put in Super Punch Out on my old Super Nintendo. Okay. And they couldn't wrap their brains around the idea that the other boxer wasn't being controlled by someone else online somewhere else.
0: Wait, they didn't understand computer?
1: They they didn't like, understand the idea that there wasn't another person playing the game against me on Punch Out for the Super Nintendo.
0: Oh my heart hurts. I don't understand that it's not like when there's a real person playing a game like I still think it's I'm playing against a computer when I'm playing Hearthstone not that I'm playing against a real person in the world.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm I'm still one of those people that will always get a single player game and play that over a multiplayer game. Same. Uh but no, it's Okay, so the Super Nintendo is so old, I had to buy a special piece of equipment just so it would play on the TV, and the kids think that just because it's a game console, it has internet connectivity.
0: (laughs) Oh. Ow.
1: (laughs) I know. I know. I turn... Let's see. When this episode uh, comes out, I will be turning 33 in uh, seven days, and it made me feel like I'm 93.
0: <laughs> hey scofflaws. Just so you know, Sean and I are officially a full decade apart.
1: <laughs> uh once once you get past 20, that stops mattering.
0: Uh it causes some generational gaps. We're in this it's the weirdest thing. We're in the same generation, but we've had completely different experiences.
1: Millennial is a wide berth, though.
0: It is. I'm at the tail end of millennials, so I'm literally the last year of them.
1: Yeah, and I'm the vanguard. Yeah, you are. All right, so All enough right, of this tomfoolery. Yep. <laughs> if you'd like to add to this discussion or these discussions, you can email us at scofflawspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook, either at our main page, Scofla's History of Law and Disorder, or the community page, Scofla's A History of Law and Disorder, or follow us on Twitter at ScoflaCast. Um Visit our Patreon and maybe make a donation. I have it set up right now, so as long as we get one person donating, that's when we start doing the bonus content.
0: And we got lots of bonus content because there are so many movies that I've never seen and so many video games I've never played.
1: Yep, help me make Kate watch Alien. No. Come on, you don't want to see John Hurt with some little fleshy penis thing pop out of his chest.
0: Okay, but it you had me at John Hurt.
1: John Hurt dies in like 20 minutes.
0: John Hurt died this in
1: 2018. Oh god, that's right. I f- the five-year year. <laughs> What? No. Why? That was so much longer ago. All right, was either 2017 or
0: 2018? It was really recently.
1: Yeah. He was the war doctor.
0: He was. That's the only reason I know who he is.
1: Alright. So, dumb law time. Um, okay. This one's from Louisiana. And Louisiana apparently has a lot of laws uh, regarding uh, boxing and wrestling, but one that stands out to me is spectators at a boxing match may not, may not mock one of the contestants.
0: That makes so much sense because they had such a huge red light district in uh, in New Orleans.
1: The law says open betting or quoting of odds, insulting or abusive remarks. <sighs> All right. Alright. That's I think that's it for us. This has been Scott History (laughs) of Lawn Disorder. My name is Sean, and this has been Kate. Say bye Kate. Bye Kate.